This podcast is presented by Miscreant Records. You can find us on Twitter at Miscreant Pods, and you can also email us at miscreantrecordspod at gmail.com. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Miscreants on the Moon podcast. As always, it's me, Jacob, and with me once again, Hayden. And this week, uh, <laughs> Hayden is going to start off start us off with some news because he had some... St- <laughs> <laughs> I have one bit of news that I forgot Sorry, about, and he that? said he had some as well. Is that so. why you giggled? Were you watching? No, I was just okay? like, well, I was watching you, but I didn't think anything was funny. <laughs> yeah, my hair was like weird in my headphones. I'm sorry, guys. Nah, you're bringing good. attention you're to nothing. Um, ah, whatever. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so if you want to get us rolling. Also, eventually later on, we're going to talk about some new movies like, uh, like, napoleon and um i'm briefly going to talk about napoleon i think i'm the only one of us that's seen it but then we're also going to talk about the hunger games prequel which we both saw together holding hands in the movie theater yeah um so sweaty palms and everything guys i was sitting between hayden and my fiance and i was only holding one person's hand just the one yeah oh man true Oh, <laughs> true she she knows where my loyalties lie Jeez. <laughs> anyway so you want to get us started with some news uh so michael waldron is has been tapped to write kang dynasty so they have a writer now for it which waldron's he wrote season one of loki <laughs> so <laughs> okay um yeah. i forget he did something else or like helped with something else but i don't remember what it was but yeah, for sure, writer on season one of Loki. I don't think the writing in season one was bad in terms of like the story was fine. Mm. It just my issue with it was the fact that the show existed <laughs> in the first place, because I felt like this character already had like a a very, very serviceable arc. Um, Loki did. And then uh yeah, just the way it ended with like everything hitting the fan, and then none of that mattered. So, I, I think the writing was fine. Um, I maybe it'll like depending on how the Jonathan Major stuff ends up, because we don't know what the plans are as of right now. Isn't is, is there something in his contract that like binds him to being like the variant for King? And every so yes, so there is yes. I Crazy. don't think we've talked about this on the podcast yet, but yes. <laughs> This is a rumor. I don't think this is like confirmed, confirmed, but it would explain a lot. Yeah. Because Kang is one of the easiest, easiest like people to replace, right? But um, he allegedly has in his contract when he signed on, which at the time, not knowing about his personal issues and like the the trouble that he would get into marvel was like yeah we'll get you to do all this work for us (laughs) yeah because i mean like it's 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 not a terrible business decision it does kind of get you out of like you can't really make an iron lad Mm -hmm. because he's old like franklin richards would be hard to do like there are things that would be difficult to do as they are in the comics you could change them and you could make them different and do them differently but ultimately it's like okay we have this guy locked in and it's kind of his security that we're not just going to dump him which at this point i feel like is benefiting him they're like with these contracts when it comes to like the the domestic abuse stuff and the things that he's being accused of you'd think there'd be a way out for disney but it seems like there's not either that or they're not going to pursue it um but yeah it, it does the rumor has it that he has in his contract <laughs> that he's the only person that can play any variant of kang so crazy all crazy. signs are kind of pointing to disney just moving forward with this yeah i know we speculated early on um that they were kind of going to hold fast on this it's it seemed the post credit scene at the end of Quantumania that had all of the jonathan major kangs in it <laughs> it makes a lot more sense now that that rumor has surfaced yeah um but they had kind of dug themselves into a bit of a hole with that 
And then, yeah, just seeing Loki season two um, just kind of makes me think that they're still moving forward with this actor as this character. So, mm-hmm. um, that being said, I mean, I, I don't expect the character Kang to be bad because he's been written well through the Loki seasons, I feel. Um, oh yeah and like like i said we we talked about this during our loki review like even though not a great person jonathan majors does play kang well which was frustrating mm-hmm. in season like i was frustrated that i liked that performance because like just yeah. seeing him up there and knowing all the stuff that we know through mm-hmm. through um the reports and everything it's just like damn i hate that he's doing a good job yeah ob- like objectively and and it's it, it, it's it's frustrating for sure um that they are committed to this it's um yeah there's something about like big companies just committing to bad people that is disappointing you can't just make like you there's, can't have ironclad like clauses anymore in these kinds of things cuz this stuff comes out all the time like you can't you can't have the can only be played like he's literally a like he just comes from every other universe that's what kang does yeah that's his whole shtick it's just it's a it's just following a deep like in the nba i i i you know it's a similar trend of like these large companies just having terrible people who are like good at what they do so they just shove things under the rug uh, we saw it with Miles Bridges, who got like a fairly light suspension for domestic violence. Now we kind of see like Josh Giddy. Uh, I'm sorry if you don't know basketball or anything. I'm kind of just dropping people here, but mm-hmm. Josh Giddy is being accused of having like a relationship with an underage girl, and uh, may face. This is kind of new, so may face consequences. But it's one of those things where like it should be quicker than this and and it should be like (laughs) you know i understand that what to do right now yeah i understand that everything might not be 100 percent accurate the miles bridges thing as things went on it, it it was true and they just gave him a very light punishment um with this with the josh giddy situation it's like it looks like it's uh like it looks like it's uh it's it's very accurate you know, that could change, but just the reaction to it, the initial reaction just to be like, oh, well, whatever. It, it just feels the same way with like how Warner Brothers handled, handled Ezra Miller and um, yeah, Disney's handling Jonathan Majors. It's just like what it's it's disheartening to see that like shitty people can just go on being shitty people because these companies assume that people are going to forget about it or not be informed about it and enjoy the product that's given to them it's it's you know that's not the reason the flash did poorly but it didn't help (laughs) so like maybe this will continue for this i i I don't know it's just disappointing to see i don't know um but um, yeah but it does seem like they're just continuing on with the whole yeah the kang saga after they dropped the the old director and writer, I was hoping a little bit. So, oh, yeah, well. I was thinking that. Yeah, I was thinking that they might, they might be moving away. But at this point, they're kind of, in a way, they haven't really been building towards anything. But also, like, if they've been building towards anything, I guess it's this. And yeah, it'd be like what six years wasted, five years wasted, or whatever. Pretty much. So I guess they're just kind of committing and. I think their goal is to finish out what they're doing here and kind of just hope that they stay afloat. And then their next plan has to be like Fantastic Four and X-Men to kind of revitalize everything, I would assume. Either that or they can do that like soft reboot thing that people are talking about where whether it be like a time jump, which I don't think is that likely, or whether it's like a full-on reboot and resetting the universe, which I also don't really think think is a good thing to do right off the bat i think you need time there but either way they're gonna do something soon i think Mm -hmm. probably so um but kind of piggying back off that uh, apparently 
Marvel's top choice for Doctor Doom is Killian Murphy. I like that. I like that I've, a lot. I've loved it. Like that that's been one of the, the fan casts that they've talked about for years. And I, I yeah. love it. I love Killian Murphy, so who uh, was it that wanted to play Doctor Doom? Probably a lot of people. <laughs> Someone came out recently. Um I don't John Ham. Oh yeah, Doctor I saw Doom. That. He's I don't know. I think I he's come out and said it. Yeah, yeah. So John Ham is the one who I'm thinking of who came out and and said in an interview or something that like mm-hmm. I hope I get the chance to be in the MCU one day, preferably as Doctor Doom pretty much. Yeah. Which I also don't hate that casting. I think they'd both um mm-hmm. I, I think, think they'd both do well. Do well. John Ham's a great actor as well. So Yeah. I th- I, th- I feel like they would bring two very different things to it, and then they would both kill it. Just depends exactly. on how it's written. Yeah, and it, you, I feel like, especially for those two, you have to let them let them cook. have a presence. Yeah, you got to let them cook. You got to let them have screen time. You got to let them show, like that. Yeah. Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom is one of the biggest people in Marvel. Like it's like the Thanos, like the Galactus, like the like the Kang. <laughs> you know, in like a way, he's, he's like more imposing than than all of them because not only does he have the power he has a technology he has all of these things he also has like his own country and so brilliant like he's one of the smartest people in the world exactly so the uh, and and a lot of continuities i think like he, he is beat out by reed richards who is like canonically the smartest man alive Mm-hmm. in the comics i think usually it's like him and then dr doom is up there as well yep along with like you know charles xavier and all those like he's in that that tier of 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 person um but yeah just when it comes to like the heroes can't directly attack him without risking like a war and things like that like that aspect of it is also very interesting i don't know how much of that they'll really dig into in the movies yeah. But that also kind of adds to like the the imposing nature of that character as a villain. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. But ultimately, it kind of boils down to it's like in the MCU, I'm not worried about performances. I feel like most people do at least a pretty good job with what they're given. Mm-hmm. I'm more so worried about what they're given and yeah. how it looks because that's where it's been hurting more recently yeah so you can cast great actors and you know you had some major hits like right off the bat you know you had chris evans as captain america you had robert downey jr as tony stark like you had chris hemsworth as Thor. but all the other stuff was there too like mm-hmm. it was it was a high quality um level of writing for the most part they were the worst ones were like at worst mid they were okay whereas now the best ones are like mid so <laughs> when it comes to the writing and they looked good at the time and most of them hold up and look at least okay yeah. so it's one of those things where it's just kind of you can do all this casting you can do all this these big spectacles, but if you don't have a good writing team behind it, and if it doesn't look good, I just don't think you're going to come back and get back to where you were, which is clear. They want to be on top again, <laughs> obviously. I mean, that's... They were at the top of the box office so frequently for so long. That's what they're trying to get back to. I just... They've looked in the wrong places for that recently and maybe now that they're kind of taking a little bit of a break or there's going to be a, a while without a movie um maybe they'll readjust who knows but yeah i wouldn't mind those castings at all i wouldn't either. did you see the thing taika was what td said about the uh, Thor? yeah uh, yeah i did about why and this is that's the, the funniest part is that that's the best Thor movie there is is I ragnarok it, no, you're objectively incorrect. I think Thor the first Thor is underrated. Okay, but it's not the best. I think it's the best. It's the best incorrect. one I've seen. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. 
But Thor: Love it, and Thunder is second. Anyways, Taika Waititi came out and he said, "Yeah, I just signed on to the like that do that Marvel movie because I needed somebody and I needed money." Which is fair. That's why you I do mean, it. It's your job. Yeah, I mean, you have to think that's why a lot of people do these. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> I think Robert Downey Jr. wanted to show up to Spider-Man: No Way Home for ten minutes of screen time, less than ten yeah. minutes. Got paid ten million dollars. Like that's why they're doing this. They wouldn't be there without the massive paychecks. Like it, these these movies aren't high art. Like they're not they're not prestigious in that way. Mm. Additionally, you don't get a lot of creative control, so directors aren't going to do it for themselves. It's for the money. And like, yeah, some people do a good job and they're good at it and they enjoy doing it. But ultimately, the reason you sign on is probably for the money. Nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. That being said, Thor, uh, Thor Love and Thunder, not great. But he had to write that one. And I, he came I, out and said that he was not familiar with Thor comics. Yeah. So, which makes sense. Um, He didn't write Ragnarok. No, he didn't. But he did make it great. I mean... Obviously, like the directors have a lot of influence on movies, even more so if you write them. Yeah. He just didn't know what to do with the last one, and that's fair. What well, do you do was, after Endgame? And you Go have ahead. to think he was also given a lot of, a lot of like constraints, probably that he had to write in a, a lot of things yeah. that he had to include. Like the studios are so involved in the writing process, mm-hmm. they give so many constraints and so many like you need full-time writers just mapping these things like you need to pay a full-time writing staff for a universe Mm -hmm. that's large and expansive and they just weren't doing that they were trying to go on an individual basis kevin feige like it kind of he wasn't as involved because they were just doing so much and it's Mm -hmm. it shows but yeah i mean of course he's in it for the money that's why a director like him does something like this and the thing the thing with love and thunder is like he could only control so much yes he wrote and directed it but the main issue me and you had with that movie was visual effects. Yeah. He can't control that. Obviously, that's the studio putting pressure on whoever the developing team was for visual effects because they're, they've been pushing them on awful deadlines, making them work hard, expecting too much. And like, I'm pretty sure there was something going on about they're not getting paid enough either, which makes sense. Yeah. I so. mean, well, because they were doing it. It, like that's not they weren't getting paid the equivalent of like the hours they were supposed to be well basically. it's not directly disney's fault it's the their fault for the way they set it up mm. it works in a lot of similar to how like contracting through the u.s government works a bunch of companies see the work that needs to get done and they say okay we're gonna put in a bid but disney was just going with whoever bid the least so you would bid the lowest amount of money you could to get the job, but then the money that you bid wasn't enough to hire a full team like you usually would. It wasn't enough mm-hmm. to, to 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 give out a good product. So like they instead of just posting a job and being like, "Here's what we're offering. Here is what we need you to do," and submit an application and we'll pick somebody, they were letting them name their price. And they were lowballing so that they could get it, and it just wasn't sustainable. Yep. But, but um, can't blame the man for coming out and saying that. I mean, he's he's pretty much done with Marvel, anyways, which is fine. Yeah, he's he's got a on, Star Wars movie still. Yeah, and I think he also clarified that he has a better connection with Star Wars. I don't yeah. know if he's just saying that because, like, you know he is still having to make that movie i hope it's good i star wars is more important to me than marvel will ever be so hopefully that's good because i i don't think he would come out i when he got the thor job obviously he's joining this big corporation that you're gonna have to come out and be like yeah i'm from i love the comics you know like how all of the actors do even if they don't they've just been prepped to say these things yeah um so he, and the he best probably, actors do I, go and familiarize themselves to a degree, I think. Mm-hmm. You see people really put love and care into it, but there's also plenty of people who don't do that and still do a great job mm-hmm. because they're good actors and they can follow a good script and hit their marks and do everything they need to do that goes into acting. Like, It's not a requirement. Yep. Some, some people, like 
both ends of that spectrum have done have been done good and bad. Mm-hmm. Like you can see people that go in and do it both ways. Like it doesn't have to be done that way. I don't think that's really on him. Mm-hmm. I think he was just kind of in a rough situation there. But coming from somebody like outside of like seeing most of Taika Waititi's projects, I've only seen a few. But Thor: Love and Thunder being the worst one, that's fine. You know, I I, I do think Star Wars will be better. I I bet I I would be willing to like. You have to think like at his age, Star Wars released either before he was born or like when he was a kid. You yeah. know, so obviously that's yeah. one thing. And. Who who read Thor comics, you know, <laughs> like Star Wars is this is this some, huge thing, you know, like Star Wars has been global for fifty years. So Star Wars so, came out when he was like three. Yeah. Did it come out seventy seven or seventy eight? Seventy seven, I think, was the first one, right? Okay, so he was almost two. Yeah, so I mean, he saw them when he was a kid. Exactly. Yeah, but for sure, it. it I don't. I feel like there's more to pull from, and plus, I feel like the way that Star Wars is set up, they've got more people to handle. Like he could literally just go to talk to George Lucas's protege, protege about anything he needed, because he yeah. just got that new position at, at Disney, which is basically just consultant, like it's, chief he, consultant of something. Basically, he he is now Kathleen Kennedy's equal, pretty much. Yeah. So I think Kathleen Kennedy is covering more the movie side, at least for now. And um, Filoni is doing more of the TV shows. But as time goes on, I think they're kind of just going to be in it together, which is is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Dave Filoni's gone on countless times talking about how like George Lucas sat down with him and like explained everything to him. Like every idea that he had, whether it was clear in the movies whether it was subtext whether it was stuff he'd never really included like when he was making the clone wars when he essentially like you said made him his protege he set him down and and went through all that with him and then like dave filoni is very open and does that with other people he did it with freddie prince jr who voiced someone for um for uh, rebels and he's done it with like, like most people that he's worked with in like a in a heavy sense he he does that and he like explain and he'll go through and he will like teach them everything he knows. So yeah, it's one of those things where like there's also less projects. It's there is still a greater level of care put into Star Wars. Um, I will say it's not always a great product, but tends to look better, tends to have more time, effort, care, um, and money going in the right places. It seems like. Mm-hmm. so they aren't going out and grabbing a bunch of stars that they have to pay 50 million dollars a movie and things like that so you know it's it's one of those things where it it should be better he's in a better situation there i think than he was at marvel at the time for sure and i feel like there's there's not there won't be as much interference on this i feel like because i feel star wars is moving in a different direction right now than marvel is because they're going they they want to do solo projects away from the skywalker saga as well it seems like i mean like they're still just building off of it non-stop but the, for yeah, a while there they sure. were like they had all these things planned and taika yeah. watiti's movie was one of them but they, they he's, mm-hmm. he's the one that's writing it i'm pretty sure so yeah he I is he is yeah it's that's the part that we'll see how it goes We'll see how it goes. I'm not too terribly concerned about that, but yeah, we'll see. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other news you wanted to touch on? I think that was mainly it. I mean, it's all pretty much Marvel, Star Wars, Disney news, basically. So, yeah, this is a bit different. Um, So, earlier we talked about studios that kind of backed bad people uh, for... (laughs) Years. Whatever purpose, this is a bit different. This is Paramount and um and Spyglass, uh, the oh, makers of the Scream franchise. Yeah. yeah, forgot about that for a second. So, Melissa Barrera, lots of people uh, will know that currently there's a conflict going on between a terrorist organization and um the is the Israel government and like well, everything around that, um, including like just the 
overarching like decades like almost century centuries long conflict between palestine and israel and all that it's been a hot topic of debate recently i don't want to really get into that side of it but she did come out and uh condemn israel for certain acts of, of genocide against palestinian people whether or not you agree with that immediately um so she is she was one of the leads along with jenna ortega in scream five and six and they fired her essentially for scream yep. seven shortly after that jenna ortega also left so it's um yeah it, it's but that one they also said she it was like a conflict with scheduling as well but yeah they, they say it was unrelated that stuff you can work around but that's also I yeah mean, that's kind of like it's an a pr thing yeah it's in pre-production and they say that jenna ortega might have already wanted out before all this happened but the timing is a little telling i think regardless um they're two leads so it seeming it seems like at least um at least in the case of like the case of melissa barrera is that they saw this thing that they didn't agree with because their statement when they fired her was like, we're not going to handle any any anti-Semitic beliefs, which like <laughs> that, I know that it's a complex issue and you can look at it a lot of different ways. Whether or not you agree with that that statement was anti-Semitic or was it more of like a condemnation of the, the Israel government, however you want to look at it, there's a lot of different ways that people can come at these issues and, and there's separate platforms for those type of debates. But for them to come out immediately like the day after and be like, no, she's done. And then also Jenna Ortega leaving immediately afterwards. It's 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 um, it, it's a stark contrast to like the the other issues, which there are different types of issues. One of them is like a a speaking out on behalf of like a like a political or like a moral belief, and the other one is like committing like a crime. Um, yeah. <laughs> so two very different. It's like two very different situations. And in the one where someone commits a crime, they get kept on and they get given the benefit of doubt and they just push forward with them. But in this other case, it's like they just drop them immediately. Something seemed kind of fishy there. A few days later, another report came out that was like both of them, uh, um, Barrero and Ortega, had signed on for two movies. And if they were going to do a third one, they were probably going to get raises. So, <laughs> ultimately, it seems like this might have just boiled down to money, which is incredibly disappointing. Um, they're trying. They're they're gonna go after the. They're going after their old lead. Yeah, uh, Neve Campbell. Yeah, and she's gonna cost just the same amount because she's the main star of the first five movies. And that's the whole reason they didn't get her on for six because <laughs> she wanted to be paid more, and they said no. I. I'm honestly curious if she'll even come back after that fiasco, uh, to be honest. Mm -hmm. We'll see, I guess. Uh, it, it's disappointing because this is one of my favorite... It is my favorite like horror franchise. It's one uh, it of the ones is, that stayed the most consistent, right? Yeah, there's only been one bad one, in my opinion. All the other ones are good to great. Um, and I've really enjoyed these reboots, Uh five and six i like them a lot and i some ideas that i've seen floating around about where the story was gonna go i was like oh this is it's great it's it stayed a high quality there's only been one dud and even that one even scream three like there's things i like about it um things i find interesting about it so it's not that big of like a a blemish on the franchise or anything i don't think it's yeah. awful um but yeah it's like just to see them kind of just cut it off right here. And, and at the beginning, it's like, I guess, you know, they can stand on their morals and handle that how they want to. But then for it to come out and be like, no, this is probably a money thing. It's, you know, it kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. It already did when they let Neve Campbell walk uh, or, well, essentially was just like, we're not going to pay you, so leave. Um, and then them doing this with the next installment it is kind of kind of disappointing mm -hmm. and um kind of makes me not looking forward to the next installment like i was 
It's fair. But yeah, that's that's an interesting counterpoint to some of that stuff we were talking about at first. Yeah. Yeah. Said so we're done <laughs> immediately. Wild. So now there's a few movies. So I think remember Jul- July when I was in movie goblin mode? Yeah. I can feel the itch coming back. Oh no. I have a I have my PhD proposal next week. So I'm kind of going going all out to finish that. <laughs> but the past like few days I've watched about a, I've watched a movie a day. When I finish that next Monday, I think I'm just going to coast into the holiday season and go movie goblin mode. <laughs> so uh, I've been watching some stuff. Uh, today I watched The French Dispatch, which is a um, Wes Anderson movie. Uh, he made his newest. He, he's made some Roald Dahl short films for Netflix, and uh, he made Asteroid City that came out in June. I had not seen The French Dispatch yet. I thought it was really great. Um, and Ad Astra as well, a Brad Pitt like space drama. Almost Have watched you seen that, that the other day. No, I almost watched it the other day. It's really good as well. I love a movie about a sad guy just fucking around in space. <laughs> True. <laughs> but yeah, it's I've seen those. And then also, I saw two movies in the theater last week. One on Thanksgiving, one the day before. I want to talk quickly about Napoleon. Um, just because it's, it's fresh. It's, uh, it's good. It's Ridley nice. Scott directed it. It's got Joaquin Phoenix starring in it. That is weird for me. After, I'm going to be honest. He plays Napoleon similar to how he plays the Joker. Now, <laughs> oh no, not, it's like a toned down version of his Joker. And historically, Napoleon was a freaky little bastard. Like, I'll give him that. He's just like <laughs> a disgusting freak. And it's fine, and like, you know, whatever, and the way he comes to power is crazy, and he's just weird about it. It's, um, he like, he gets exiled to an island at one point, and then one day he's like, no, I'm going back. He steals a ship, and then just starts marching towards Paris, and picks up a bunch of people on the way. (laughs) He said, we're (laughs) rising. Yeah, and he takes control, and then, like, everyone else in Europe is like, nah, fuck this guy, we gotta handle him. But no, the movie looked good. I saw it in IMAX, actually, and the battle scenes looked great on the big screen and all that. And yeah, I mean, it was it was a good movie. I really enjoyed it. You should see it if you haven't. Um, you don't have to see it. It's not one of those where I'm like, you have to see this in theaters, you can wait around on it. It's a weird movie. It's weird seeing Joaquin Phoenix play Napoleon because, like I said, his performance is like Joker esque, <laughs> which was which was off putting to me. But then also, I had to remind myself that Napoleon was weird. <laughs> He's a weird little guy. Yeah, I saw it with my dad, and every time Napoleon made like a tactical decision in battle, my dad was just like nodding, like, "Yeah, that's the right choice." <laughs> So, he knows it. He knows his uh, his combat tactics. So like, yeah, that was that was cool to see. Like, yeah, that's that's why you you're Napoleon. Yeah, that's why and you destroyed a whole bunch of. I don't remember what all he did, but a Nap- lot of stuff. Napoleon makes two mistakes in the movie, and he made two mis- like two mistakes in battle. He makes a lot of personal mistakes, a lot, <laughs> but <laughs> but same brother. I, I, yeah, same. True, I relate to that. But um, but two times he makes like tactical battle errors. Both times just let out of his ego, and both times when he said what he was gonna do, my dad leaned over and he was like, "That was a mistake." <laughs> so every time, your dad's every- on that every time he knows like i don't think my dad listens to this show very often anymore i think he got tired of hearing me be a disappointment every week but (laughs) if he is listening to this episode um shout out (laughs) but yeah yeah every time he made like the correct tactical decision my dad was like hell yeah brother and then (laughs) there was the one point where he was they were like we're marching into russia it's winter time should we fall back to poland and wait and he was like no, we're going to press on. My dad leaned over and was like, 
he fucked up there. He's like, that's the and one. And I was like, that's the one where like, he yeah, dies. No, <laughs> oh, he doesn't die. Oh, well, I mean, that's where he loses real bad. Yeah, that's before. That's when he gets that's exiled. Earth. Yeah, he comes back and then he gets. He went to he went to Russia with six hundred thousand troops and returned with forty thousand. That's tough, man. Yeah, wild. He took and that he whole owned, country. He he lost like forty thousand of them in a big battle. The others just died, or or twenty thousand. But yeah, the rest were just like they froze pretty much. No food, no water, no shelter. Yep. They. Yeah. So um. Crazy that like that mistake was made again by Hitler in World War II. I'm glad it was because like yeah. terrible guy. I'm glad he was like I'm better than Napoleon and did the same thing and lost in a very similar way over there. But uh, <laughs> but it's crazy that like people look back at pivotal moments in history and they're like I'm gonna do the same thing, but I'm Maybe. me, so it's gonna work. This time. Yeah, I'm him. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah and the sec so the second time was at the battle of waterloo which uh which is the one after he takes france over again you know when i talked about him like going and and marching in the streets and just getting people back on his side he said and he the did rest it of again he said brought it back the rest of <laughs> the rest of europe was like no nah, we can't have him do this he was about to go fight the british but the prussians were on their way and they were like, we should start fighting now so we beat the British before the Prussians get here. And he and Napoleon was like, no, it's raining. <laughs> and my dad leaned over and was like, mistake number two. <laughs> and I was like, you're right, man. You're That's right. I read a history book once. And, <laughs> and yeah, it finally stops raining, but the Prussians are only like four miles away. So they're like... They're kind of they're doing all right against the British, but then the Prussians just come from the side and like it's over <laughs> instantly. So, Tough, dude. It's so funny, just that experience. Just every time, like at one point, he was like, sh- "Now shoot the cannons at the ice," and my dad was like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> and he was like, "That's the hey. thing that people were like judging in the trailer before this was <laughs> them like drowning a fuck a uh, whole army in the lake." Yeah, they were like, it's not confirmed whether that actually happened or not. Yeah. Okay. Then That's there was another cool time story, bro. where he was I like fighting. Care. There was another time they, where he was they, fighting some people in Egypt. And instead of like, he got them to, he got the Italians to surrender without fighting off screen. But then in Egypt, he got them to surrender without fighting on screen by shooting his cannons at the pyramids. And they that. were like. That probably trailer. didn't happen. And they were like, Ridley Scott was like, yeah. But it was a quick way to show that he took Egypt over. Because I had to get to the part where he found that his wife was cheating on him. So he deserted his post this... and went home. That's the one. <laughs> Wild movie. It's it's great. Uh, it's <laughs> it's so funny. It's like a comedy. It's not supposed to be, but it is. Um, <laughs> just a weird little guy. Like, absolutely heinous. Um, and take you your like dad. You like this movie a lot. <laughs> take what? my dad. He said, so you like this movie a lot? I know you're fans of, I know you're a fan of little heinous guys running amok. I am. I am a fan of little heinous guys running amok. And that's what this movie is. <laughs> he and, said, give me more, Ridley Scott. <laughs> I mean, like. Where's just, my Napoleon part two? <laughs> well, Napoleon, spoiler alert, Napoleon dies at the end of this. Crazy. So Who would have thought? <laughs> he, how do you think he died? I'm curious. I don't remember how he actually died, dude. Did just, he die just, like how he actually died? Yeah. Was he, he was executed some way, I assume. No, he wasn't. Oh, he died of some kind of disease? What? No. What did he die of then? <laughs> I think it was like a heart attack. Wow. So Probably after the movie. Also a heart attack. <laughs> oh, I see. But it just shows him like falling over. Um but after Waterloo they send him back to a different, smaller, shittier island. And they say you can rule over this smaller island. And he just chills there with like his um I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who she is to him. Maybe his kid, grandkid, I, something. I don't know, man. And at the end of the movie, it says his last three words, which I think this might or might not be true, but I hope it is. It was like France, war, 
Josephine, and then he dies. Josephine was his wife, who he divorced because she couldn't, like, have a son with him. And he married some, like, young lady, which is freak behavior back in the day. Um, But then, like, he locked her away in a little house, and he was like, we're still best friends. And they wrote to each other all the time. And then when he, on his march to, like, come back and get his little parade of guys to take france again he stops by her house and they're like oh she's dead and he's like why did nobody tell me <laughs> jesus wild you should see this movie i think you'd like it <laughs> just a little just a little i feel guy. like i have now <laughs> just a little guy again no i haven't i haven't even i haven't told you the half i haven't told you like almost any of the freaky little things he does <laughs> weird little guy oh man there, <laughs> there's so many times where he's just like, he tells everybody in the room to leave so he can bust it down sexual style. And it's so funny. One time they're eating breakfast and he crawls under the table and like pulls his wife down beneath the table with him and everybody just leaves the room. He doesn't say like, the, <laughs> they're out. Fair enough, man. I would too. I'm out. I, I am staying for that. He's like, making like, uh, ain't that good, man. <laughs> Oh, they weren't. I mean, it was only the. It was the classic two people eating at a really long table, and the guards oh. and like the servants are just standing around. <laughs> nah, but I ain't staying for that. I'd be like, "Here's your and food. I, I'm out." I'm pretty sure he was barking when he was crawling under the table. I could be making that up. I could be making that up. Little weird but I hope I'm not. Man. I hope I'm not. It's amazing. <laughs> Movie of the year might be my. I I only gave it like three and a half stars on Letterboxd. But movie of the year. <laughs> okay, it's better than Oppenheimer, not I objectively, disagree. but but subject. <laughs> because <laughs> Oppenheimer was a freaky little dude, but nowhere yeah. near to the extent <laughs> you said that I got, it is. This guy let his freaky shine. He let it he out. Did. He like they opened up a, had to hide that shit <laughs> they opened up like a like, like a coffin of a mummy and he kisses it okay and everyone else is like what the fuck is this guy doing it's so good it's it's so great anyway What's wrong with that guy i wonder what i mean like crazy i don't know man it was it was like 1800s france probably like inbreeding Tough. That was a big problem back in the day. Yeah. Anyway, oh. speaking of <laughs> problems, let's talk about a movie we've both seen. I'm sorry for talking so long about Napoleon. I just... That's fine. <laughs> I'll let you have the mic for a bit. Uh, no, you're good. I started this thing off with just talking about Marvel crap. <laughs> no, nah, no. Nah, we, so we both saw The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. What if... The villain from the first movie, we made you think he was the hero for a bit, but then he wasn't. The movie. Whoa. How did what you feel about about all that we saw there? You know, I thought it was... I don't remember how the other movies were, but I thought this was a pretty good movie. I mean, it was it was weird seeing that the Hunger Games were in a... in like a, a D2 basketball stadium that your high school goes to for playoffs <laughs> yeah to play basketball that was wild to me so uh, <laughs> i did rewatch the other four in the lead up to this um my fiance wanted to rewatch them so we did the first two of those are really good and then the set the second the last two aren't as good but they're still solid so these aren't bad movies but this one is somewhere in between not as good as the first two hunger games not as like better than the last two i think yeah like there, there's a couple things that happen that, that progress a little quickly, um, and there, there's also like I feel like there was too much singing. Like this, this is spoilers. They, We're gonna go through spoiler. We're just gonna go straight into it. I think this felt like they should like it. It felt like it needed more time to develop certain things. So this didn't really fit the the format of a movie because it was already three hours long, right? It was like two and a half. Two hours, yeah. 37 minutes, I think. Which, I mean, you can't... You'd have to add a decent amount. Of, like, the fallout at the end, it was so sudden. 
I, I mean, I haven't. I'm a book still for confused this, as to, there is a book. Um, but I haven't read I, it. <laughs> no, I haven't either. Uh, we saw this with Garrett, the friend of the show, Garrett, and uh, he said afterwards that this is like the first time he has agreed that a book should have been split into two movies. I don't think I. Don't I don't think yeah. I agree with that, but I think at this point you're already pushing close to three. Just make it three hours. Just give us like yeah. 15 extra minutes. Make it yeah. two hours and 45 minutes before the credits. And like just... Because yeah, like you said, the ending... Let's back it up a little bit. I had never read this book. I was shocked when the movie was like halfway over and the Hunger Games had ended. That yeah. shocked me. I was expecting that to be the end. I was shocked when Lucy Gray lived because I thought she would <laughs> die. <laughs> um, I, didn't, I didn't think she would because I feel like there's something that's said in either like in one of the books or in one of the movies or both about like what happened with Snow when he was younger. It's not in the movies. So um, I assume there's something because it felt like because I knew there was going to be some backstabbing, obviously, at some point, especially if she won. Like, oh yeah, it's it's there. a prequel, so like you know how it's going to end. I thought the capital was going to kill her or whatever. I didn't know. So, backing up again, essentially, <laughs> President Snow, notorious evil guy in the Hunger Games movies, future president of Panera? Pan Am? Pan Am. That's the one. Um, Panera bread. <laughs> overpriced <laughs> hospital food. Um, <laughs> hey, they can sponsor us one day. <laughs> I don't want to be sponsored by two people I won't be sponsored by Ricky the Rat and Panera bread. That's such a weird second option. Okay, I moving on. No, nope, we don't have to down nope. on that shit. Nope, we're um, on. I don't want to talk about Panera. So he is poor, but he lives in a rich part of the world. His dad was like a, a a dude. His dad was like the the face of the games. Like he was the quote unquote like co creator. Well, we don't find that out games. to the end. Well, yeah, his, but his dad was, like was important during the war, and then he died. So they ended Did up they being ever poor. Say how he died? They just no. Uh, he just died uh, in the revolution. I'm sure it had something to do with that. Yeah. Um, but he wants a big scholarship so he can go to college. His dad's best friend is like the dean of the high school he goes to and he hates him. And we find out why later is because this guy, quote unquote, created the Hunger Games, but he hates it. He wants it to be gone. Turns out President Snow's dad made it up and he put both of their names on it. So now that the dad is dead, he gets the credit for it and everybody loves it but him. Um, and he hates President or what is it cornelius snow coralanus coralanus Cor coriolanus something weird like yeah. you tried to spell cornelius but you messed it up yeah <laughs> you messed it up real bad and yeah. you're and you're but you wrote that shit in pen did not yeah, have an eraser <laughs> you kind of guessed so you made it look like something yeah the epidural <laughs> the epidural hadn't worn off after the birth and the father wasn't there to, to write it on the certificate yep <laughs> um <laughs> but <laughs> she like he this year they're like we're not giving out the scholarship we're making all of you be a mentor to someone in the hunger games and whoever wins gets the scholarship mm -hmm. cool he has a friend who's from district two who's moved to the capital because his daddy's rich and he like is a little revolutionary he's like the hunger games suck and he has to be a mentor to, like, his old best friend, which is wild. Um, yeah, his old best friend that now won't even speak to him. Which makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, people get picked for the Hunger Games from District 12. One of them is Lucy Gray. That is who Snow is in charge of. And uh, he is like, I'm going to be good at this. I'm going to show up and meet her at the train. And then he gets put... And he jumps onto a truck. Everyone else is like, why the hell is my mentor not here? And he's like, I guess I'm just built different. I guess I'm just him. Yeah. And uh, he gets dumped in a zoo. Yeah. Wild. How different <laughs> this is than 
<laughs> what the Hunger Games end up by the time we get to like this is the tenth one I think by the time we get to the seventy fourth one or whatever mm-hmm. he, they're he, like he, he made it monetized is what he yeah. did that's oh. essentially like he's the reason that it's monetized now because he brought attention to it by bringing out their talents well it was already monetized because they already had like donations and stuff yes but like but he made it, their talents to monetize it he made he humanized them yeah because very clearly the major difference between the hunger games in this versus the hunger games in the the later like series is that instead of being like brought around and fed really nice food and having really nice training facilities and doing all of these shows and spectacles and stuff like they did with Katniss and and Peter um they're dumped in a zoo they don't get food or water they're just sitting there for days so people can come and look at them and then they get shoved into a basketball arena one thing that i thought was wild was they expected this hunger games to be over like that like they expected it to be a couple hours max mm-hmm. whereas in the future we see them going for days so usually it's just like five minutes of a bunch of kids in a room just killing each other that nobody cares about because they've only seen them in a zoo mm-hmm. it's not televised around the districts like it is later on and everything it's just like <laughs> oh well i sent my kid off oh they're dead all right um the victors i don't think are treated like with the respect and the money and stuff like they are later on and all that mm-hmm. so yeah it's a uh, it's a lot different that shocked me um <laughs> like just when they put them in there and everything that wild. was wild to me and <laughs> the whole t- like the whole mentor thing just doesn't work because everyone is like i'm trying to help you and the only tribute who believes their mentor is lucy gray she believes snow and he cheats a lot <laughs> a lot he gives her like rat poison rat to take poison. in there with her and then um later on there's some like demon snakes that is used to kill his high school yeah. classmate at one point. And then he, like, he went in there, like, the day before, like, in the bombing and, like, scouted it out and, like, told her where to go. Yeah, so and, like, what he, to do. he was the one who came up with the, the idea of just run away, which is something that people do a lot later on when the arena's bigger and stuff, which, if the bombing hadn't have been there, there was really nowhere to run. yep so i can see how it was usually over in a couple minutes um but yeah this one there was a bombing by the rebellion and some people ran away and like the guy from district two he ran away and he gets punished for that later he just gets strung up in there it's very much so at this point it's less about a big grand spectacle and it's more about um a just a punishment just like a reminder which is what it was meant to be early on i guess um but yeah it's very different like yep. shockingly so mm-hmm. but eventually um he cheats their way to victory <laughs> um so so lucy gray does win and gets to go home shockingly like they would have killed her their plan was to kill everybody and that's how he cheats he gives a handkerchief with like lucy gray's tears on it Mm -hmm. to uh the snakes because the snakes are built to if they're acclimated to your scent they won't attach to you but it looks like to the people watching on tv that she sang the snakes into a state of calm Mm -hmm. (laughs) she sings a lot and she probably believes that because I don't, I don't, I don't, this, I don't know if she, he tells her. Uh, the, she said that, that the people at the Capitol did, that the dean of the school did. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they said how, but they did say that he cheated and were sending him to be a peacekeeper at District 8. <laughs> and he bribed someone to send him to District 12 instead. There's some weird, like, love story that I never really believed. Yeah, it always, I didn't know whether to believe Snow or not. It, I think he meant it at times, Mm -hmm. but if he was ever given the opportunity to go back, which we see later on, he was, 
he's going to choose that over her. Yeah. Which Even is, if... I thought like, that's where it was going to end. But I don't know. Th- that is not... I... The ending is confusing. Let's... They get back to the district. His friend from District 2 goes with him and they're like, we can make a positive change here. Snow is just going through the motions of like being a peacekeeper and sneaking off to hang out with Lucy Gray at like the bar and then they go to the lake and stuff and they're having their little romance, Mm -hmm. which felt weird the whole time and unbelievable. I think mainly because in the back of my mind, I was like, I know this person is the villain for the whole story. (laughs) And they didn't really give him like a downfall because he was never up. You know what I mean? Like, he was never yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. It's like, with Anakin in the prequels, you knew he was going to be ultimately be the villain. But he started off good, and you could see his fall from grace. Hmm. This was just like the whole time he was bad, but he was trying to get good. But no, he was bad the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, But... Yeah, his friend from District 2 is like, hey, I'm talking to rebels, and I'm going to rebel. And Snow records it and sends it back to the game makers. And then acts shocked when his friend gets hung for it. Yeah. After the first time somebody gets hung, Lucy Gray writes a song. And this song, that President Snow witnesses the first performance of, is later used like 65 years later or 66 years later as the anthem for the rebellion. (laughs) (laughs) Katniss sings this song by like a river in district 12 and somebody records it and they use it in their propaganda videos. Imagine being like an 80 year old man and watching your like 17 year old arch nemesis sing a song that like the love that you had when you were a kid wrote after you watched a public execution together (laughs) (laughs) and they use that as a like like anthem to come and dethrone you that's got to be weird can't believe he lost the war tough (laughs) he's not him he's not him that would not have sat right right with my soul (laughs) no i mean he got remarried eventually in the back of my mind i was like what if what if lucy gray is just his wife i didn't know i you never see his wife i think she's dead you see like his daughter and his granddaughters in the other movies Hmm. be wild if they just got happily married but he also was evil that would have been pretty cool (laughs) to be honest i mean at a certain point you could kind of believe it for they trying to take it in those scenes there was a significant portion of this movie after she won the Hunger Games and before she does whatever she does at the end, which we'll get to in a minute, because that shit was confusing. Um, (laughs) There was a significant time in between there where I was like, maybe they do, (laughs) like, maybe they give him a happy ending, I guess. I don't know. Um, But no, that's not the case. Uh, his friend that he sent the recording of them talking about, you know, being in the rebellion, he gets hung. Um, so then he decides to run off with Lucy Gray. They're going to run away together. Mm-hmm. And they're walking through the woods and they seem happy, but they've really only known each other for like not that long. Um, this is right after somebody tells Snow, they're like, hey, we're sending you, you're too smart to be here. We're sending you to the officer academy in a couple days. And he's like, okay. But then he decides to run away. I thought he was going to like leave in the middle of the night and go back or whatever. Mm-hmm. In way more, I, I, maybe I need to read this chapter of the book because I'm just confused. Um, <laughs> I felt like he left for like a day, which is odd for military it is weird because he leaves in the morning and he doesn't get back until like the next morning yeah um so he's gone for yeah like you said a whole day he they at one point she's like damn Coralandis, doesn't it suck that we're both killers now 
And he's like, yeah, it sucks that I killed three people. And she's like, what yeah. do you mean three people? She's like, yeah. I've only seen you kill two people. And he's like, um, uh, uh, I killed my old self. Okay. <laughs> and this is where shit starts to go awry. Yeah. <laughs> they make it back to the cabin. And he's like, I want to go fishing. And she's like, there's fishing poles under the floorboard. And she's like, I'm going to go pick some Katniss, which is a, a plant. And he's like, hey, yesterday you told me that wasn't in season yet. And she's like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> so that was confused. I was like, she's up to something. And then he goes into the floorboards and he finds some contraband guns that the peacekeepers have been looking for that he used to shoot somebody. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this guns could get him in a lot of trouble. So I was like, she's going to turn him in. No, that's not it. Hey, I didn't think that. He threw, throws the guns in the lake and then he goes looking for her in the forest. Well, he has one with him, though. He does have one with him, you're right. He keeps one of them for some reason. <laughs> but he buries the rest in the lake. And then he... <laughs> the ending is... I hope someone's in the comments like, you dumbass, here's what the ending really was, and you guys were both tripping. It was like 1230 whenever we got to this part of the movie. <laughs> um, but he, uh, yeah, he gets, he sees a scarf that he gave her a couple days ago, and he goes to pick it up, and there's a snake underneath it, and the snake bites him. Yeah. And then, like, he sees her running through the forest, and he shoots at her. But was that real yeah. or was it fake? I don't know. And we don't like see her actually get hit. We don't know. No, he shoots so. and then she falls down. But then he looks and she's not there anymore, which kind of makes me think it was fake, like a like yeah. a hallucination. Yeah, All he, the... he, he definitely like the bullet went through a tree first, like a a pretty. It was a younger tree, but like I mean, it was probably like eight inches thick, like you know. Okay. I don't know. But, like, yeah. it, it got shot through the tree, and, like, you see her fall, like, in the background further behind it. Okay. So. <clears throat> Odd. Yeah. And then she's just gone, and then... And then that's kind of it? He goes back yeah, on the train, back. and he, he gets called back to the Capitol, and the already. gate... What? Yeah, he gets back to the Capitol already. Yeah, He's and gone the game... for, like, months, maybe. Yeah, and the game maker's like, hey... Everybody loved your version of the Hunger Games. You're going to be my protege and we're going to keep making it better. And then he's like, that's cool. Let me go kill the Dean real quick. Yeah. He said, no loose ends. For some yeah. reason. And this is where he starts doing his thing where he poisons everybody. Because that's a big thing that he does later on. He yeah. poisons people and he drinks the poison too. And the antidote works to not kill him, but like he, that's why he's always bleeding from his mouth, <laughs> and why he wears roses all the time is to mask the scent of death on his breath. Wild. <laughs> He'd rather smell like wet leaves. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's it's weird. I still don't really understand the ending. It's just ambiguous for a reason, but obviously he's just going back to business as usual. I guess. I just want to know Somehow what happens. Somehow ends to... up president. After being a game maker. Don't know. I mean, like, those game makers are so wrapped up in politics and stuff. It's not that surprising. Yeah. And who knows if he was ever really, like, a game maker. He was just working with one. Mm -hmm. Who's to say what what he gets up to? That's fair. Because he, he was going to college. He was pretty much being, like, a TA for the game maker who also taught at the college. Mm -hmm. It seems. Um, I want to know what happens to Lucy Gray, because that is unclear. Yeah, who knows? Apparently, like, she was running north of the Pan Am border. Whatever I, that is. I want to know what she was up to when, in terms of, when she, I want to know what was in her head. Like, did she just not believe him and think that he killed that person from District 3, District 2 that he was working with? Like, what? happened because she seemed to snap whenever he was like i killed three people 
Mm-hmm. Which, if you kill two people, killing a third, like, <laughs> yeah. It, granted, it is significant. Like, it is fifty percent more people. But you know, I don't know. It's weird that she shifted like that, and then I I want to go back and read. Maybe not the whole book. I could I could read the whole book, but like at least this ending because I I want to know I, w- I want more context because I feel like that whole falling out could have used like ten more minutes of of, of screen time. Yeah, I, that especially like that's the, the the downfall of that relationship that they had. Yeah, it was just super weird and and quick and did not. It's kind of jarring. I was like, that just happened so quick, and now the movie's over now. Yeah. Like, you built that up just to not show, like, a, a good representation of it breaking apart. That, but... That's really the only thing that kind of left me wanting... I thought this looked good. I thought it was well-acted and well-written. Mm-hmm. I just... The main thing was the ending just felt like it needed a bit more time. Yeah. But I thought, yeah, that visually and the soundtrack was good i know you said there was too much singing but well it was just they they really they tried to show the fact that they exploited it in the lead up but it was also just non-stop like everything she did so i I, I feel like i don't know i didn't mind it that much because that was just part of the character it felt like yeah which i mean she was the songbird right yeah, she so was. A- it makes sense, but it's also just like if it was a lot and unexpected. I suppose I haven't read the book, which would have prepared me better for this. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it it just it did feel weird to me that there was so much of it. It, but yeah. then like later on, it made more sense. Like after mm-hmm. the games, and then like after all these experiences that she like was singing these songs that obviously meant something. Yeah, so it didn't bother me much. It didn't expect it, but yeah, I didn't dislike it. I thought it was good, a well timed, like the scene sounded good and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the host of this Hunger Games, very <laughs> similar to the host of the ones in the other movies, but the other one is much happier and op- much happier and more optimistic. Yeah, this one after she sang, she was he was like, "Damn, sucks that that was your last song. Have fun dying tomorrow." Whereas the host later on is like, we're really cheering for you. We hope that you survive. And they say that to like every tribute. So, but this one was just like, yeah, man, you're cooked. You're dead. Have fun dying tomorrow. Crazy. And he was a magician on the side. (laughs) Yeah, he did that (laughs) shitty coin flip trick. Where'd that coin go? Constantly. Every time he was on the screen, every time they... Like, he'd start a show, he'd flick it, and at the end, he'd bring it back. <laughs> yeah. Wild. <laughs> he was also a weatherman. I thought it was funny. Just one last thing. at the In the middle of the Hunger Games, he was off on a separate screen doing the weather. Yeah. And then he came back, and he was like, and we're back with the Hunger Games, and here's my... I'm hosting. And he was... I don't know. Funny guy. <laughs> Very yeah. abrasive compared to the, the other one, but... Funny nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. But um that's all I've got to say about it unless you have anything else. I don't have much else. So Alright. Well that's all we've got for today. As always, you can leave a like, rating, review on whatever you're listening to us on. And uh tell a friend about the show if they're into Hunger Games or little 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 guys running amok on screen. <laughs> anything like that. Uh let them know. But uh that's all we've got for now. We'll be back next week. See you then. I'm going to try to invade Russia in the winter, guys. Let's see how it goes. You are better than Napoleon and Hitler. This podcast is presented by Miscreant Records. You can find us on Twitter at Miscreant Pods, and you can also email us at miscreantrecordspod at gmail.com.